Welcome to another message from LifePoint Church, located at 400 South Abilene in Valley Center, Kansas. For more information on LifePoint Church, go to our website at lpcag.org. It is our prayer to invest in generations to influence community. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Steve Rains. But I want to talk to you this morning, really, this this message is, has... Um, this topic has been on my heart for some time now, uh, and just the importance of it. And and uh, typically, I try to get somebody in to preach it. Uh, last year, we had Scotty Gibbons with us, um, and uh, this year you have me. Next year, you'll have somebody else. But I thought it was important that you hear you hear this from me. Um, instead of just somebody, an outsider coming in, because you need to know, I've preached on, on this topic uh, a couple different times, but it had been some time, so I, I just wanted to lead us through um, this, this, uh, this message this morning that is really God's heart um, in so many different ways, but I've entitled the message this morning, Because You Say So. Um, I look out and I see several parents across the sanctuary, um, uh, you know, parents are just full of wisdom. All you young people just had incredible opportunity to score points with mom and dad. Um, just full of wisdom. We say things like, don't run with scissors because you will poke your eye out. We say things like, um, when we're disciplining, man, this hurts me a whole lot more than it hurts you. And how many know, if you're a parent, there's truth in that statement. Right, there's this like, man, you know, and I, I remember one time, one of the last times I, I, um, I uh, had to take our oldest son to the room, and this was, a, this was like, you know, millennia ago, I get it, but, but um, he, he just looked at me and said, Dad, let's just get this over with, come on, you know, and I was like, this hurts me more than it hurts you, man, and, um, or, you know, uh, one, one bit of wisdom is as a parent is you just got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them all that means i take that as meaning you have to know what battle to pick if you're going to parent well right and some days there's pat there's battle you just want to pick them all right and there's other times where you're just like just leave me alone and go away right um but and then comes this part of the, the conversation when you instruct a, your, your kid or you're instructing a colleague at work or someone that you oversee at work, they'll ask the inevitable, they'll say, why? And the word that comes to your mind is this. It's a, it's a four-phrase statement. Because I said so. Why should I eat? My broccoli, mom, because I said so, and it'll keep hair on your head. <laughs> Don't talk back to me because I said so. Do the dishes because I said so, and I don't want to do them. Right? So, but the, the, the flip side of all of this is that there's rewards for doing the because I said so. There's blessings, if you will, 
and, and doing, okay, I, you know, inside of me, I don't want to. Inside of me, I'm really talking to you that I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to do it. And, and so you do it, and you receive you re the, the blessing of that, whether it's at home or it's at work. And, and the disciples who were, if you're, if you're new here, if you're like, well, who's the disciples? The disciples were the first followers of Jesus. They learned quickly the, quickly the importance of doing whatever Jesus said. Hence, because he said so. And so this morning, the key thought, really our target statement, if you will, as we walk through this day of hope, is no one can do everything, though some of us try, right? No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. So look at our text with me, if you would. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gerseret, which is the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is, is a body of water that's 13 miles long, it's 7 miles wide, about 150 feet at its deepest point. So Jesus is standing there at the Sea of Galilee with the people crowding around him and listening to the Word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets, which would have been a daily practice at the end of their workday, cleaning up the nets so that they don't rot, so that they remove all the debris that had gotten caught up from the, the fishing excursion that they had just been on, also stretching the net so that the, that the net would stay pliable and, and flexible and not become rigid. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to be put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Let me ask you a question this morning, and maybe some of you are like, well, I'm there right now. But do any of you get grumpy when you get sleepy? You're just like, leave me alone, right? Imagine these fishermen, not only had they been up all night, but they had worked all night. It's just not like, hey, let's be up all night and, and stay up and watch, you know, movies all night and just binge on, on um, Lost or binge on whatever, you know, that's, it wasn't that they had, they were fishing, they were working and had zero success, which makes it even more frustrating, even more painful, right? They're tired, the plan, the, the project, the, the task at hand didn't come to completion. It didn't go the way they wanted it to go. And so if you picture the scene in your mind's eye, people are flocking to Jesus. Perhaps Jesus had gone down early in the morning before everyone, before the hustle and bustle and people started rising. He got up early in the morning and went down to the water's edge just to have some solitude. There's nothing more tranquil than, than watching the, the morning waves come in and, um, and just chill out and, and take that in. And maybe he was drinking, you know, some of his favorite coffee or whatever, um, like you and I would do. And he's sitting there, and then all of a sudden he hears something, and he turns around, and he sees this massive crowd of people that had assembled unbeknownst to him. And he's like, man, this is great. I, I have come to preach the good news of the kingdom. Luke chapter 4, verse 43 writes, and I'm going, I've, I've been sent to go to them, but now they're coming to me. And so he seizes the moment. And to maximize space, he steps onto a boat and asks the boat to be pushed out a little bit into the water so that he can be better heard. And it's interesting, he doesn't say, 
he doesn't, you know, hey, Peter, can I use your boat? He just gets in and says, hey, I'm using your boat. I'm, I'm commandeering this thing and push me out into the water because I have something I need to, to share. And this isn't the first encounter that Peter's had with Jesus. We, we know in Mark chapter 1 was the first time Peter encountered Jesus. Mark, or Matthew chapter 4 gives the same account of Mark 1. And Jesus tells Peter, push me out. Peter responds, Jesus sits down, which would have been the teaching position, unlike us in our modern culture, where, where those who are presenting stand and, and deliver the message, the, the message from the rabbi, and that day they would sit. Then Jesus tells them to do something that not only confused them, but probably irritated them. I mean, after being up all night, being unsu unsuccessful in a task that you had set out to do, Jesus gets bossy with them. And, and we were laughing about this in between service because of a, a meme that was going around with the Columbia missions trip that I had sent out. But, but, you know, Jesus says, hey, he gets bossy with them, push me out, and I'm sure they threw him the look. You know the look. Right? You want me to? right? Jesus, the carpenter, Jesus, the son of a carpenter, is telling me, a fisherman, how to fish? What are you talking about? Right? And Jesus could have said, instead of asking them to do that, he could have said, you know what, man, I, you've worked hard all night, and you've not been successful. You're a terrible fisherman last night. And so I've put together a miracle if you would turn around there's fish lining the shore you know they multiplied within the sand and boom there you go because I'm God and I can do that but for God he's not it's not about the fish it's about what he's doing in the hearts of the disciples in this moment there's a supernatural blessing on the other side of obedience relationships are strengthened or restored through our obedience and, and walking through seasons. Financial breakthrough happens on the other side of our obedience. Healing and communication get stronger through the other side of our obedience. See, I mean, when Robin and I um, get in a disagreement, because every now and then um, that happens. Um, every now and then Steve has stinking thinking and gets stubborn, you know, and, and I know that our relationship, I have a, a choice in the matter, right? And, and today's not about relationship, but I'll just use this as an illustration. I know Jesus has called me to love my wife as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her, for the church, right? And so I have a decision. If I'm going to love Robin in that capacity, I have one or two choices. Either I'm going to step towards her or I'm going to step away from her. And so obedience says, man, I want to be right no, excuse me, pride says I want to be right. Obedience says step towards her and, and walk, talk, communicate through this situation. As you see this throughout Scripture, right? March around the walls, Jericho chapter 6, or Joshua chapter 6, right? The walls of Jericho falling. Here's the plan. Ready? I'll huddle up. I want you to walk around the walls one time a day, six days. On the seventh day, do what? Walk around seven times. And when you're done looking like that, 
then I want you to shout. And your obedience will determine the breakthrough. Or take your fish sticks and your biscuits on the side of the hill with Jesus, and Jesus multiplies them, and suddenly 15,000 people are fed through your obedience. Or go back to the Old Testament, the widow of Zeropath, Kings, the book of Kings, first Kings, take your vessel and start pouring. There's, you know, she had enough oil, enough flour for one last meal because of the, the famine that was going on in the land. The prophet tells her, start pouring. She begins to pour. And oh, by the way, as you start pouring, you better get more vessels because there's going to be more oil that you can contain. She responds in obedience. You see the miracle. You read the rest of the miracle. Here's the principle. Supernatural blessing are on, the, are, are on the other side of our obedience. Let me say this as well. When God tells you to do something that doesn't seem to make sense, have you ever been there? Some of you are like, I am there right now. But requires you to trust him and obey, you will, you will never regret obeying God's ask but you will always regret it when you disobey. There's lessons in obedience even when there is stretching and pain involved. I promise you, you won't have regrets in the obedience. Think about this, um, just this principle applying in our life that, that years ago, um, you know, we pastored out in western Kansas and our boys were young, um, we were in Goodland, and, uh, uh, which is Robin's hometown, for those of you uh, that are new. And, and so we were privileged to pastor Robin's home church, right? It was, it was, a, it was awesome um, living, living out in, in western Kansas, and we would breathe Colorado air every, every day from the wind, and it was just great because uh, I grew up in Colorado. And, and, um, and so it was like the best of both worlds and, uh, in so many ways. And, and um, our boys raised pigs for 4-H you know and so they were pig farmers and they rode four-wheelers all over the place it was it was awesome and um and so one day we felt like the lord was impressing and and had spoken to us that that um i want to move you to topeka kansas and you're going to be on staff at a church you're going to become a campus pastor of the main the main campus there in downtown Topeka which is right just like a mile away from the heart of the city so it's a very opposite extreme of what we had out in western Kansas so where we would drive neighborhoods surrounding the church um, a lot of poverty there you would drive through the uh, we lived on the north side of the city so as we were driving back and forth um, from from home to, to the church, we're passing the brokenness and, and the, the needs of, of society, looking into the eyes of people that were destitute. And as a dad, I'm like, I don't get this. But how many know when you step in obedience, you may not get the whole picture and you may not understand all the why. And here we are. Um, that was in 2008. So whatever the, the math is now. Um, but uh, 14 years. No. It's, it's about 15 years difference. Right. Um, now, 
And here we are on this side of it all. And one of the things as I look back, uh, you know, your obedience just doesn't affect you. Right? And now, as we drove through the heart of Topeka, looking at, at just the needs and, and wondering the whys and all that stuff, knowing that God was had called us there, but also God wasn't just preparing us for that moment, but he was preparing us for, for uh, future seasons. And one of the part of that, part of that puzzle of, of is this, that, that our obedience impacted our kid, our, our boys, and now one of our boys is stationed at the fire department in downtown in the heart of Wichita City where all that stuff that we drove through every day getting to our church, now he's, he's down there and ministering and, and um, serving the people. I said ministering. He works for the city. He doesn't, they don't, you are now a ministering firefighter. They didn't do that when they did, had his thing, you know, they didn't say that, but those are my words, and, and I'm dad, so, because I said so. <laughs> so Peter, with all his faults, all his flaws, decides to trust and obey. Look at it, verse 4, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. You can read over that really quick. Because Jesus said, hey, Simon, push me out. i, I got to talk to these people. But now, reading between the lines, it wasn't, hey, Peter, I'm going to go out and throw your nets. Now it's like, hey, Peter, get in the boat with me. Let's go out. And you put in the net in the water. Let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. Haven't caught anything. But because said so. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. Not because it makes sense. Not because it sounds fun after a night's long night's work or easy. Not because it's what I would do logically. It's not because the analytics said now is the time. It's practical. It's not because my engineer mind says, you know, analytics it makes sense. Now's the time. Go. Prime fishing had passed for the day. And now he says, get the nets out. And just some quick background on the use of nets. Simon and his, and his partners would have, have been out all night in the deep, right? Or out, out all night fishing using a different type of net called a drag net. And this net... Um, was about 300 feet long and about 8 feet wide. And one side had corks to keep it afloat. The other side had weights that would allow it to sink. And sometimes the net would be stretched between two boats. And, and the fishermen would row in a circle to bring the net together. And then they would, then they would begin, one boat would pull on one side that had the, the rope on the upper end of the net. And the other boat would pull on the bottom side. Uh, that, that rope would have, would sink up or cinch up the bottom part of the net. And now, just think about this. Think about the monotony. The fishing's not been good. You've been out there all night long and had zero success. There is not, if you are an outdoorsman or if you ever go fishing, there is nothing more frustrating than going fishing and having no success. It's like, boring. Right? You self-diagnose that you are ADD when you don't have success fishing. Right, and, and so here's these guys. They've experienced a hard night of fish, a hard night of fishing. No luck, no success, no harvest, if you will. 
So it's easy to understand why they're tired and frustrating over and over again. They're pulling in the net, drawing it, pulling it up, that heavy soaked net, and then casting it back out over to, only to repeat, no success. And I love Peter's response. But simply because you say so, I will do so. Practically speaking, for some of us, that's forgiving someone who hurts you. It's, it's being the first one in your family to ever go to college. It's, it's, it's because God has said, hey, I want you to do this. This is what the plan, the calling that I have on your life, and you need to take these steps. It's, uh, it's to let go of a relationship, even though um, you've invested a lot into it, but, but, and it's the only stability you know, but you know that it's not, it's not the best for you. It's trusting the Lord with your finances. And when that's the response of your heart, God, because you said so. When that's the response of your heart, you're about to be, I want to submit to you, you're, you're about to be a part of something that's supernatural. Verse 6. And some of that, that unveiling may not be for years. Look at verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break so that they singled their, signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Tired. Doesn't make sense. You know, it's not in the plan of the day. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like 52 years old. You're like, man, that's amazing. Doesn't look like day over 31. Um, but uh, 52 years old, and and this year I started my master's program, and I'm like, what are you stinking thinking? Have you lost yourself? And Robin's like knocking on the door. Are you in there somewhere? I'm like, I can't get my, I don't know where I'm at. You know? But yet, when God calls you to do something, you respond in obedience. And, and I hope I make it through. I'm getting closer. But man, it's like it's been a stretching thing. And I can remember I was up at the high school at the beginning of the, of, of, um, the, the winter semester, the second semester. And I was asked to uh, visit a class. And, and it was in a reading class. And so I was there. And, and I had told the class, man, I'm like 52 years old. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to school right now. And some of the students just like, Life's impact moments don't just affect you, but others also. And you see that in this text. Peter's obedience led to blessing. A large, num a large number of fish were brought in. And that blessing had to be shared. He called his partners. Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to India, she started an orphanage there, said this, you can give without loving you cannot love without giving. Bob Goff in his book Love Does says love is never stationary. In the end love doesn't just keep thinking about it or keep planning for it. Simply put love does. The kind of love that God created and demonstrated is costly. It's a costly one because it involves sacrifice and it involves presence in our life. 
God will work in ways beyond what you could know or anticipate when you respond in obedience. You see that Jesus talks about that in, in John chapter 14, 16 through 31. He draws the connection between love and obedience. And just a few verses later here in, in Luke 5, Peter leaves everything, it says, to follow Jesus. From his life and responsiveness, we learn this. Today's obedience leads to tomorrow's miracles. As we sit here and we're getting ready to participate in a one-day offering, your sacrifice today may very well lead to a moment when you step into eternity and someone is there to greet you that you never met, never knew, never encountered, but because of your generosity in moments like this, they're there to say thank you. Now, here's the hard news as we deal with the topic of of a one-day offering that is designated to the feeding of children. Especially on the doorstep of Thanksgiving holiday. That today alone, across our globe, there will be 16,000 children that die from a hunger-related disease. That is a child every 10 seconds. One in four people around the world lack access to safe drinking water. Globally, 85 million children are underweight. Nearly a third of the world's population are moderately or severely food insecure. And I don't I don't say that to put guilt or condemnation or, or anything like that upon us. That's just, that's the hard reality of the world that we live in, right? That it's so easy for us to forget about. So today, today is about stepping into the needs of humanity. And I'm so thankful that we're a part of a church that, that even now life groups are, are doing outreach projects across our city, across this area, loving people, engaging culture in very various ways. But just so you know, Convoy of Hope uh, is stepping into that need. And this is why we ask you to participate in this. The Convoy of Hope this year, 75 disasters or humanitarian responses thus far. So more than, one, more than once a week, they have stepped into a crisis situation, a crisis moment somewhere across the globe. Sometimes it's in our, our own backyard, and they're, they're ministering there. They've trained 25,000 farmers across the globe to be self-sustaining, self-sufficient, giving them the tools, giving them the, the background, the understanding of how to effectively harness their land. They've empowered 34,000 women and girls with skills. Now listen to this one. They have fed over 533,000 
children every school day. Every school day. 533,000 kids fed. You're like, that's the city of Wichita. Okay? There's 200 million people served over 29 years. That's what they've been able to do. They've delivered over the 29 years over $2 billion of product um, to impact. Even out in our garage, this, this right now, there's four or five pallets full of convoy stuff that will be distributed to our community in the coming weeks. Okay? Jesus asked us to do some things. He said, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to make disciples. But he said also, I want you to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit the prisoner, care for the sick, and welcome the stranger. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. That's what today's about. Let me give you two quick takeaways from Luke chapter 5. The first one is this. Be a part of a miracle. Obedience to God, even when it costs you, or when it's, even when it's not convenient, but says because you say so, leads to crazy miracles. I mean, we, our students, through, through Speed of Light this last year, and, and where they're at, what they're doing right now, is just crazy. Their generosity, but the, the provision that they've seen. I think I look out and I see Sarah uh, Warren sitting out here and knowing that she, you know, through a prompting of the Lord because of a situation, she saw something that gripped her heart. She started the From the Ground Up organization within our community and they operate out of the intermediate school and are just doing incredible things. But it wouldn't have happened if people didn't respond because you say so. I mean, Hal Donaldson, Donaldson the, the founder of Convoy of Hope, it all began with a burden and a passion in his heart. It all began, he was able to, to gather some produce, and he put it in the back of his pickup, and went drove into his community and distributed produce out of the back of his pickup. That is how Convoy of Hope began. And now, here we sit, looking in at it, being a part of it, being a, a host site in the summer, knowing that out of that back of the pickup, it has led to feeding 533,000 kids every single day. Because a man said, because you say so. Don't limit what you see as a small beginning. Right? Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Secondly, blessed because of obedience. Because he said so, they did so. Blessing is on the other side of obedience. Right? I thought I would share this picture. Um, it probably won't mean a whole lot to you, but it's significant to me. 
Um, this is Bryce Rainey. Uh, his dad is the district youth director from the Rocky Mountain District from Colorado. Bryce is 11 years old, as it states. But why this picture grabbed me is because this little cat is standing on top of the mountain just this, this, this summer that he did this that, that I couldn't finish. That I, that I tapped out about three, more, three quarters of a mile from the top Caleb went on. I, you've heard me talk about it. I won't, I won't belabor the point. But as I, I saw that this week, and I was like, that little rascal. If he can do it, i got to go back and do it. You know? But he did it for a great cause. BGMC is, is all about missions. And, and, and his determination, his, because I feel like God is asking me to do something, he raised $28,000 for missions. Here's what I know from personal experience, but also from the experience of others. Some will experience breakthrough in their life because of getting their eyes off of themselves and doing something in Jesus' name for someone who is a lot in a lot more in a in a way more difficult situation than they are. For barely over two dollars a week, you're able to feed somebody. Mother Teresa said this. If you can't feed a hundred, just feed one. Just feed one. And this this one day offering is is all about that. And you're like, okay, Steve, unpack it. What is the one day offering about? It's simply saying, okay, taking your hourly wage. If you're you're paid hourly, um, and if you're paid hourly and you make 20 bucks an hour and you work an eight, eight hour day that's $160 a one day offering is 160 bucks to get into to get food for a kid that is in need not only will they receive nourishment physically but they'll also hear the gospel so it's a double whammy it's a double blessing right and and on the on the envelope, if you're like, well, man, I I, w- I make way more than twenty bucks an hour, it gives you a breakdown. You can do the math up there as well. Um, but here here's the deal. All right, this is what why this is so so beautiful. Because your one hundred and sixty dollars a day or whatever your your hourly whatever your daily wage is, suddenly exponentially explodes because because with because of convoys partnerships that eighty dollars that hundred and sixty dollars suddenly morphs into five hundred and sixty dollars of resource going to a kid that could literally provide hundreds of meals for that one child. You might say, well pastor, that is awesome and I this is a this is a good thing and I want to help but I can't afford to help because there's really there's more month than there is there is money in my you know, I mean, we've all been there, right? We've all, we've all felt that squeeze. And all I would say is this. Give what you can. Because what you have is more than most. And God is able to take your yes and multiply it and becomes way more than what you ever thought or imagined. 
God because you say so. And secondly, I would say don't limit what God can do through you. And, and let me just give a, a side shout out. Because of the, the, this master's program that I'm in, one of the classes that I had to take was a finance class, and the, the professor asked us to do some investigating on some 501c3, so I chose, so I chose Convoy and dug into some of their postings and what they, what they allocate for their overhead, for, for the paying of, of, of their staff, many of which are, are missions-supported. Um, they go out and raise their own support. But even for the ones that receive a salary from the organization, what they, it's not, you know, sometimes you hear about 501c3s and they're like the Red Cross spends, you know, their CEO makes, you know, six figure, it's just like crazy. I mean, it's amazing what you see, what they give towards or what they, what their expenditures are versus what goes out. It's like, it's well distributed, well great, great stewardship. I want to share a video, and uh, I, I love this video. It, um, I told First Service, it's not like what you're going to watch a, uh, uh, um, a Humane Society video with, you know, draggy music and trying to get a tear from you and an emotional response and, you know, move you. It's not like that. Man, this is all about good news. This is about what you and I can do. This is about together, the body of Christ, impacting so check this video out. The worship team's going to come and, and lead us. I'll give some direction after it, but um, uh, check this out. All over the world, there are empty plates at the table and countless empty seats. In the famine, in the flood, in the aftermath, a full table is a fantasy. When you are eating nothing, going nowhere, when every road is a dead end and every cupboard is bare, a full plate is a fable. Then suddenly, love arrives. Faith gets to work and hope rolls up its sleeves. When hope sets the table, seeds become sprouts, become gardens, become fields. Future sinks its roots into the good earth. When hope sets the table, girls grow into women with the power to chase their dreams find their destinies and weave their love into communities too strong to unravel. When hope sets the table, bright eyes shine with confidence that comes from a full belly and a sharp mind sparkling with grand dreams and electrifying visions. Convoy of Hope has worked tirelessly to build that table, and millions have taken a seat. Now we ask you to join us. Put your love to work. Put your faith on the line. Share the hope that's in your heart. So please, pull up a chair. Let us break bread together and let hope set the table for millions more.
to our last worship song, um, I would ask that you would simply, during this time, as you ponder the message, um, as you ponder the words of Peter, because you said so, and God's ask of us, of what's my response? What, God, what do you want me to do in light of what you've spoken to me today? That you would just respond. Um, uh, Robin and I, you know, we participate. We don't ask something of you that we're not willing to lead out and lead the way. Um, and so during this song, uh, just, Lord, what would you want me to do? And, um, and then just respond, okay? And, uh, and, and our obedience leads to um, opportunities to see God work in ways that, that you, you won't see him work if you don't respond. I mean, that's, not a, that's just a fact statement. That's not, please don't, that's not a guilt statement. That's just the reality of, of after, you know, 35 years of following Jesus, it's proved itself true in my life. So I just encourage you in that. Would you stand with me? Father, as we bring this service towards the end of it, getting close to the close of it, Lord, we want to hear you speak to us. Lord, we don't want to be moved by an emotional plea. God, we want to be moved by what you're calling us. Lord, thank you for modeling everything that you've modeled for us. God, we want to follow after you. We want to be obedient to you. Jesus, I thank you for the authority that you have. Jesus, I pray that your authority would function and operate freely in this place, not just today, but every time we assemble, that, that people would sense the presence and the life-giving uh, reality that's in Christ Jesus that's available to them also, Lord, that we would step and we would see your great provision when we say yes to you. And um, we step towards the things that you're passionate about. And you make ways that are just seem impossible, but yet you show yourself. God, have authority, Lord, in our, our life and in this place. Lord God, we pray. We just let this last song be a song of response, but also, Lord God, a song serving of all our obedience and our love that God we pray in Jesus name. This concludes the teaching. Thank you for listening and we hope you can join us for next Sunday's service with Pastor Steve Rains.